Hi, I'm Vicki Abelson, and this is The Road Taken, and my smiling friends are Tom Bergeron and Louise Palenker. Out of there. <laughs> Thanks for having us. And behind it's a the pleasure being in your living room. <laughs> yes, it is. Behind the camera tonight, we have um, Harry Abelson. Uh, Harry, come out. Hi, Harry, Harry, come around and say hello. I'll do a lot. I'm going to do a what? I'll do a lot. <laughs> we see you do a run-by. So, a, a crazy twist of fate today. Tom, yes. where were you this afternoon? I was on ESPN Radio with uh, director Ben Shelton promoting not only Dancing with the Stars Athletes Edition, but Candy Jar, a film that we did together that's on Netflix. Um, okay, and so who else was at ESPN so also, while I was there? While, the exact moment. While Tom was there, at the exact moment in the neighboring office right. was Harry Abelson. Harry, do another run around. Do another run around. <laughs> now we can have a Oh, I'm out of breath. <laughs> Harry was at ESPN. My voice is still shot. Harry was at ESPN because he got a meeting. You have okay, enough you got lozenges for the whole hour. <laughs> I do. I have my lozenges. Right. So Harry was at ESPN for a meeting, and it so happened. He knew that Tom was going to be here tonight. He did not know that Tom was in the next office. And Nor I go, did I know that he was there. How either. crazy yeah. is that? That's, that's crazy. Okay, but that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. Like, do you believe in that? Do you believe in coincidence, or do you believe that things happen for a reason? Um, I don't know that I go either camp, frankly. Really? I think I think a lot of uh, what seems like coincidence or things happening for a reason mm -hmm. are a result of intention. For example, Ooh. if your outlook about your opportunities, your future, your goals, if you have an expansive uh, mm -hmm. view of that, and so you're acting on those, towards those goals all the time, you create uh -huh. opportunities that sometimes look like coincidence or serendipity, but, but you've been putting that energy out. So. I totally Spoken so I by that, a man who can do this. Yes, okay, so, all right, we, we have way too much, we have so much to talk about. I can't let it Sorry about that noise, but I can do yeah. the lotus position. Yes. All right, we, we have to talk about this end thing and the, and the meditating thing, but we're, we're going to get to that. But you touched on. Is it bad? I'm cramping right now. Oh, yeah, undo it. No. <laughs> do we have to undo you? No. Um, Pull so, on. Okay, so wait, I'm trying to see if the video is blurry oh, because we've no. had blurry vid. That looks clear. That looks I great. think we're clear. Are we clear yeah, out there, just people? Like me and it looks just like you. I think, I think we're clear. Although it's, it seems to be frozen, but I think we're clear. Um, so Candy Jar. So tell us about Candy Jar. Candy Jar is a film uh, my buddy Ben Shelton directed, and we tell them a little it. bit about Ben because he's yeah, pretty interesting. Ben, Ben is a writer director friend of mine, um, and uh, we we met several years ago when he was doing a. Uh, an online series called The Daily Show, not not with Jon Stewart, but with Tim and Sam Daly. He couldn't father, find another name? Father, that's their name, D-A-L-Y. So they, you know, a little bit of a right. comic on The Daily Show. So I did one of those and we hit it off and, and uh, we've been looking to do something together. Schedules didn't align until a year ago, mm -hmm. I was in Orlando to do The View, 
they were down there for the week. Okay, and that's weird right there. Yeah. Because men don't yeah. usually do the video. And, and, uh, and actually, I, I, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a trendsetter because I, I broke the women who write. Which we're going to talk about. And, and I actually, Were you the first new man? And I don't think so. Okay. Uh, but well, I, was among, of... I was among the first. They have them as guests. Right, no, people, but that's a but that's a different men thing. Men people are guests a lot. Right, but that's different. But no, but I was just there as a guest that time. I co I co-hosted mm -hmm. once for when Whoopi was away, and I would never do it again. It's like <gasps> getting pelted with sentence fragments. You, everybody's trying to score right. and do you know. So yeah. it's better to be a guest. So when you're when you're hosting and and, and being Whoopi. Oh, so to finish that story. Okay. So I was in Orlando. Ben takes it. He says. Can you cut any chance you can come to Atlanta for a few days? I'm mm -hmm. shooting this movie with with uh, Uzo uh, Aduba from Crazy uh, Orange Is the New Black, Fantastic. Crazy Eyes, mm -hmm. Christina Hendricks from Mad Men, Helen Hunt, Sammy Gale from Blue Blood, and Jacob Lattimore from The Chai uh, on Showtime, and just a wonderful cast. And okay. I get to play a, a cranky, curmudgeonly, burnout. Principle and we, uh, we, Louise and I just watched the opening. It's quite fabulous. Yeah, I got even though I was only shooting there for a day. Mm -hmm. The first day was wardrobe and meeting everybody, and then I shot. I got a couple of really nice scenes. The opening scene is very comedic. Mm -hmm. There's a scene I don't. I won't tell you why it's dramatic later because that'd be a oh. spoiler. But there was a really a very different tone. Nice. So you got to like got uh, a little stretch a little you bit. You got to like yeah, yeah do a little stretching, a little acting. Yeah. And so uh, and you and Ben have something else that you're yeah. And I just sent you that one. That it's called the Messenger, mm -hmm. and we're out kind of pitching that now, where I play again another curmudgeonly burnout. <laughs> but this time oh, no. I work for uh, the Grim Reaper. I'm actually it's like a Twilight Zone comic kind of sort of dark comedy. I like it. Uh, that we're hoping we can turn into a streaming series somewhere. I like it. Yeah. I have to. I after the show, I'm going to tell you yeah. about a little idea I have. That's right. not un, unlike that. So, so is this something that uh, that you see yourself doing more of this yeah, acting? I would like to. I mean, I I've hosted every format imaginable yeah, since I was a teenager, and you know, You're very hosty. I'm very <laughs> very hosty. But now, as I'm in my 60s, and and I've, I've Dancing with the Stars, and I love it, and I'll I'll stay with it until they put a spray tan toe tag on it. But uh, <laughs> but, but I, I want to stretch other muscles and, and and surprise people a little bit. I think you'll see in the not only in Candy Jar, um, particularly in that other scene. Did we say Netflix? Uh, Netflix. Okay, right? Netflix. It's but on Netflix. Also, it's streaming. The Messenger is is a very um, nuanced kind of thing too. Mm -hmm. there's, there's comedy, but it's also pretty dark in places. We're going to talk about where you started and if acting was part of that original dream. We're going to get to that in a minute. Um, before we get into a, a whole lot more, I just want to, I want to do a shout out for, for Rick Smokey, our printer who we love. Rick Smokey of Quick Impressions of Chicago. Yeah. And let's who, also promote the lozenge because <laughs> God knows there are plenty of them Because I have this, so I have this, this Take respiratory whatever oh, really? that I've had for like Literally five weeks. I can't. I can't sing, which is a gift to the world. Yeah. But it. it but it is kind of annoying <laughs> too. And you know how I discovered that I have it. I. Uh -huh. I'm, I go to meetings. Uh -huh. And I was at a meeting, and right. I went to sing Happy Birthday to someone, and I couldn't sing. Really? And I was like, okay, this is only a problem. Not really. But 
But hosting the show, it's been kind of a pain in the ass because I, I can't really project. You should yeah. call up Julie Andrews and ask what she does. It was a spoonful of sugar. But so I finally, it took me three weeks to get a doctor's appointment. So I finally go to the doctor's appointment. Are you allergic to any medications? No. He, gave, he said, well, a few antibiotics won't hurt. So he gives me a prescription for amoxicillin, prescription for uh, prednisone. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't want to not take a steroid, but he said, oh, this swelling, it might help. Okay, I start taking the medicine three days later. I can't swallow oh. to the point of terror. So Harry's sleeping, I'm upstairs, and I literally couldn't, and I realized that the only way that I could breathe and swallow was if I nonstop sucked on lozenges oh and God. drank water. Did you go to Dr. Bornstein again? And so, I this was we like, had this talk. It was, that's Trump's uh, doctor, yeah. right? The Grateful Dead. Uh, it, was, it was absolutely terrifying. So I take, Harry makes fun of me because I am a horrible parent. I have everything in my, every medication in my house is expired. Right, the Zyrtec or like, so I find his empty. That's why the ambient I took in the bathroom hasn't kicked in yet. <laughs> I take Harry's EpiPen from when, from 2001, I have an oh EpiPen. But I'm figuring like, if anything happens to me, I can, because right. I don't want to go to the hospital, but I'm thinking if I can't breathe, I'm going to do a Quentin Tarantino right into the thigh. Wow. With 2001 epi, EpiPen. Didn't you say to him one day, like, before you go to work, make sure I'm breathing. <coughs> Wasn't that what you said to <laughs> so, 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 yeah, so I literally said, you know, Harry, please, you know, come home tonight and, you know, be home because I, I don't know what's going to. So anyway, so yeah, so I, I literally could not swallow a breeze. Oh so God. I stopped taking the so you, had, you had an allergic reaction to that then? I, I'm guessing that's yeah. what it is. And so until it got out of my system, I was still having it for a couple of hours. And you know, it's pretty terrifying. Oh, Dr. Oh, Oz is on the So anyway, it was, it was actually, I'm, I'm looking to see who's with us, but it, it was pretty terrifying. But anyway, so we get back to, to Rick Smokey. So these are literally keeping her alive, Ricola. Ricola. So I'm still trying to give a shout out to Rick. I love you, Rick Smokey of Quick Impressions. Tom, if you, if you for your shows, need any stuff printed, if you want to do posters, if you want to do whatever, if you want to do DVD, I can't even play a DVD anymore. I know. They're not in my computer. Yeah. I can't do a CD. Spin it. I, <laughs> it's like really frustrating. S Steve Rollins lent me The Aristocrats after Paul Provenza was on. I, I can't watch it. I still have VHS uh, tapes of the girls when they were little, our daughters. You get them And uh, I got to transfer them. Yeah, because they can all be a little file on your computer. Just yeah. And so there's a woman... Um, one of our women who write women, oh look what I did, who um who does that. So if you need if you oh, want to transfer oh, them over right. Maggie oh. Beltrani. Um okay. yes, we'll, really can do that for you. Yeah. Um so I need to have everything put on a streaming thing though. And you can I put them know. up on YouTube, you can set it to private, whatever, but then it's your memories. Yeah, so. you know what? I don't trust YouTube listen so listen, so you know, I put content on YouTube, you know, women who write and stuff I'm when sure, you're here. Sure. It's up on on uh, you know, we didn't film that. You have to come back. That was before Tom Bergeron was the Your first mind is man like darting around like Ricochet. I'm sorry, but Tom Bergeron was the very first man to do Women Who Write. It was the first year. It was nine years ago. Wow. And it was when your book came out. Came I'm posting out. as fast as I can. That's right. Zen and the art of staying sane in Hollywood, which we're going to talk about. But in any case, um, where was I going with that? God I knows. do not know. I, I, I know. I've, I've <laughs> sleeping down nine tributaries. <laughs> oh, so, so you, okay, so YouTube, uh, here it is. So YouTube, I got flagged because I had put up a video of Steve Martin and Martin Short speaking, doing like a hysterical thing for 
Shorts book, mm -hmm. and I put up like a two, a couple of two-minute videos of them to share with the world because they were so cute, and I got flagged. Those two have always been so spiteful. They, I got flagged by one, then I got flagged by the other, and if I get flagged one more time on YouTube, they're gonna take down my whole channel. Vimeo. So, well, I so therefore. I'm not putting up very much content on YouTube anymore. Well, Vimeo's a good place them. for home. So we can do, what we can do is put up, we should get like a courtroom illustrator to come <laughs> in and, and illustrate the basic highlights of the conversation. Of, of Harry's child. And you can just put, you know, put them up. But what, what's, so, what's so interesting to me is that for all the conversation around Facebook, and Lord knows I have my issues with Facebook and everything that went down, I will say that for me, it has been the most dependable way of communicating with people, sharing content with people, sharing life with people. Yeah. So for all the shit, okay. um, I, I've got, I got I, a lot of love. I think we should talk about Tom. I think we should talk about... Before, I just want to promote my MySpace page. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so Tom, okay, so, so before we get into the whole acting thing and everything, I want I want to talk about your book for a second because right. for a Filling moment, up for some a, of America's finest windows right now. When did you start meditating? Oh, meditating. Well, I've been doing TM meditation for thirty-seven years. Get, okay, what what start what initiated that? Uh, my temper, which mm -hmm. I write about a bit um, in that. I I. When I was single, were you court ordered to meditate? No, 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 I never got that bad. But I, when I was single, and it, my anger was never directed at anybody else other than myself oh. or sheetrock. Ouch! There were a few apartment walls that uh, wow, that had holes in them. You're a Taurus, and your birthday yeah, is, is is the Sunday, May six. Oh yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. I, that's kind of a Taurian. Yeah. So when I was dating Lois, and we've been married since 1982, and I forget what was going on, but we were in the car and, and it, it, something happened and I don't know, work or whatever. And I said, and I hit the door and, and she very quickly, and, I, and I've said this to, to my daughters and any other woman who listen, if, if you ever see a guy showing any evidence of violence, even if it's against a car door, either call him on it right away or leave. You know, it's just not an environment you want. So I hit the door and Lois instantly said, if we're going to have a relationship, that has to stop. Mm -hmm. And the very next day I signed up for a uh, meditation class, a TM class, and it has been uh, it, uh, one of the constants in my life. I meditate once or twice a day and have for years. I want to hear how you do that, but how did you draw the line from a violent act to meditate? Well, because I had always been interested in since high school anyway. Okay. Eastern philosophy oh. and Buddhism, mm -hmm. and I, I was brought up Catholic, and that didn't work for me. Okay, um, and and was an altar boy and everything, but it just it wasn't it didn't feel like the kind do of. Do you answer. have a me too? Uh, altar boy, do you have a me too? Did you have any uh, no, weird? No, okay. no, no, happily not. Um, so, uh, other family member, we actually lost a family member to to uh, abuse from a priest. Oh my! Yeah. Um, Another story for another time, okay. but but so I was already uh, drawn to Eastern philosophy, and I sort of dabbled in meditation of a kind, uh, sort of uh, constructed it myself. But the TM uh, approach and technique really worked for me. So, so tell, can you tell me? Because uh, I have been trying to meditate for years, and I now use an, an app on mm -hmm. the phone that's mm -hmm. helpful, Calm, right. and yeah. it's been really yeah, helping yeah, I know me. That. Yeah. 
because I can focus on the breath and I can kind of focus on the breath, yeah. but for very short. So TM, so you have a mantra? Yeah, Sanskrit mantra that they give you. And you've used the same mantra mm -hmm. all these years? Mm -hmm. um, and how are you successful? Like when you, do you go to another, like can you stop Yeah, I get very, very relaxed. Yeah, I think one of the things that stops a lot of people from, from developing a meditation practice mm -hmm. is that they erroneously think that I shouldn't have any other thoughts. Mm -hmm. I right. should just be the mantra or my breath or the flickering flame or, well, let me tell you, I've been meditating for almost four decades. You always have thoughts. You do. And the trick is not to judge them. The moment you realize that your focus has shifted and things are starting to flutter in, just acknowledge that, move them aside, and go back to, in my case, a mantra. It can be anything, uh, you know, your breath. But go back to that focal point. And through repetition, mm -hmm. you build that mental muscle. So I can, like I, I told you, I did the ESP on radio thing. Mm -hmm. I went to the studio because I didn't want to have to. Anybody who lives in the LA area knows you, you plot your day based on how far you have to drive somewhere. And so I didn't want to go home, so I went to my dressing room and, and uh, meditated. Had some lunch and came over here. So how long is a meditation? About 20 like minutes to a half an hour. I try to do it twice a day, but I almost always do it at least once. So now, do you do it, uh, your regular practice, like, do you have a regular practice? Like, yeah. do you do it first thing in the morning, or yeah. is there a time of day? Oddly, and, and they wouldn't recommend this, but I do it after coffee. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do have priorities. <laughs> you know, caffeine I would choose over air in yeah. the morning. But yeah, but I, I meditate usually at around, after having been up for a couple hours. And you do the lotus position no, when you no, meditate? No, 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 that's just no. showing off. Okay. That's, that's so do you, ha but do you have like a, a meditation area? Nope. No, no, I mean, so, you know, anywhere. That's the mm -hmm. thing about it. You can do it anywhere. Uh, we, I've done it in airports, waiting to board planes, uh, you know, in the back of a car that's driving me to an appearance or anything. One time we had Wayne Dwyer on a talk show I did in Boston. I think he's since passed away, but but uh, he, he was very into mindfulness and all that, mm -hmm. and it was a live show. Mm -hmm. And about 10 minutes before air, we couldn't find Wayne. We knew he had come because we had said hello to him, and then suddenly he vanished from the green room. He went into a bathroom stall and meditated. He said, because he, and I, I've used that a few times too. And so has that curtailed your anger? Uh, yeah, is... very much so, very much so. Yeah, I have not. Sheetrock has been safe since, <laughs> since 1982 uh, in my presence. I literally just wrote about that in an article last night. Me about somebody, somebody else. Oh, is who, that right? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Who, put, yeah. who did yeah. the Sheetrock thing. Yeah. yeah. It's very, uh, as long as you don't uh, hit in the wrong place, it'll go right through. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Every, every, if you took off all the pictures... In, uh, off the walls, they yeah, all the, had it. Right, and, and oddly, uh, putting a poster over it will not get your security <laughs> deposit back. <laughs> that doesn't count. Um, okay, so so the the meditation thing. Okay, so now, so you're you're a kid, and you've turned into you've done a lot of hosting. You've yeah. done your share of radio acting. When you're a little kid, what's the first thing you say? Ah, oh, that's what I want. Radio. To do. Radio. It was always radio. I, growing up in the north of Boston, I would listen to a radio station, WBZ, and the people on that radio, radio station became, uh, in later years, some really close friends of mine when I ended up working there. 
Uh, but yeah, I was always radio Gene Shepard, listening to him out of New York on WOR and, and uh, his. What did you want to do on the? Did you want to do talk radio? Did you want to? I didn't know. I just wanted to be on the radio. I hadn't even, you know. Did but, you? Did you always have? Well, you you obviously didn't have a resonant voice before puberty, but did oh. you? Did you always have like <laughs> sort of like the right kind of voice even before? Yeah, when my voice changed and it did before virtually any of my mm -hmm. peers, uh, I'd get called out in class for being talking because they could hear me. <laughs> First, and a Bergeron, you're sort of in the front anyway, yeah. if they go alphabetically. So mm -hmm. between the voice and the alphabet, I was screwed. And so did you do that in school? So, so how did you, did you act in school plays? Did you do no, that? No, I didn't just do school plays, but my broadcasting career started on the morning announcements at the high school. Oh, God. And I would do the morning announcements and we would have People come in and sing the lunch menu, and you know all the so. And I actually had uh, kids tell me that they made sure they were in school for, to hear that, oh, even if they, they cut, cut later. <laughs> so that was that was the start of it, and, and then I ended up working at the local radio station because a public speaking teacher <laughs> in the high school mm -hmm. worked there as a newsman. I got in his class. He liked what I was doing in his class, and when I told him I wanted to be in radio, he introduced me to the station manager in my hometown. Wow. So I got a job at 17. So Harry, Tom's a really good guy to speak to. Um, Harry's uh, done some sports casting, that's his thing. By the way, if you're just joining us, you have yet to meet Harry. Harry, come around right again. Come, come on, on, Harry. One more time. Roll around. Come on, Harry, come do on. a run around. Back <laughs> I'm looking to see if we have any questions. Harry, everybody. Harry's a sportscaster. Um, so, no question, but somebody says, "Hey, Tom." All right, yeah, I, I didn't see uh, Bess Shear. You know, um, I Bess, do. Yeah, yes, Bess worked with Carl with for Carl years. For years, and years. Hi, Bess. Hi, Bess. I see Bess is there. We have we don't I don't see questions. Everybody's okay. just saying hi so far. Hi right. um, back. Does he think meditation has helped him be funny in the moment? Yeah, he is the much. best host ever, says Randy. Thomas. I agree with that. Yeah. Randy Thomas, <laughs> that's my friend. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. So, so yeah, so Rand, so uh, has it helped you be funny? Today? Absolutely. Between yeah. the dress rehearsal of dancing and our live show, I meditate. Oh. And, and it's all about being present. It's all about being here now. And and for a live show like that, with so many plates spinning, you know, yeah, it it helps because I'm away and I get in there because it's an embarrassment of riches. It's such a great group of people and-, and uh, A lot of spangles. Uh, a lot of spangles, <laughs> a lot of spray tan. But there's always something going on and the key for me is as sort of the ringmaster along with Aaron, to, we, we try to navigate through it and keep the momentum of the thing going and if it gets a little awkward, find a way to- Which you always do. And, and what I am always in amazement of too is that you manage to always get in a couple. You made a joke about somebody's jacket uh, this Oh, week. Val came in, uh, Val Schmerkowski, right. who's not dancing this season because he, Max, and Peter are on tour. But he came in because Jenna is his girlfriend, so he wanted to support her. And he was wearing uh, sort of a Lakers mm -hmm. color jacket, which having just seen the Avengers movie, I thought looked more like an Infinity Stone. So <laughs> during a commercial break, we swapped and I came back and, and uh, 
and was wearing the jacket. But you had made a crack about it yeah, um, yeah, earlier. Yeah, exactly. Um, which, the joke. And the fact that you're able to do, it's really like a three-ring circle. I mean, there's so much, so much going yeah, on yeah, and yeah. so many people and yeah. so many moving parts. And yet somehow every single show you get at least one of those in there. And I was, I always kind of am amazed, like, are they okay with it? Do they encourage it? Oh yeah, no, they're fine. They're yeah. Fine. The only time that that I actually got the then producer upset with me, Jeff Probst is a friend from our days working on FX together years ago, and and he was uh, he was in the audience to support somebody, whatever season it was, mm -hmm. who he, he knew, and I thought it would be funny if uh, and Jeff, as you probably know, hosts Survivor. Mm -hmm. Uh, it'd be funny if I pretended to have what you really have, a horse in my throat or something like that, and Jeff showed up and just took us to commercial. <laughs> so I knew it would probably piss off people at ABC, so I didn't tell anybody. So I just said, Jeff, let's just do this. It'll be funny. People who watch both shows will get a kick out of it. Right. So I pretended to... <clears throat> and he came in, <laughs> you know, read the prompter, tossed a commercial. It was great. Luckily, Ann Sweeney, who was the second-in-command at Disney under Bob Iger at the time, was our boss at FX years earlier. Oh. She thought it was hilarious, and she was there, so she saved my ass. <laughs> really? They got mad at you? They got, yeah, they got a little... Because I did it without telling them. Mm. And I said, well, because if I told you, you wouldn't let me do it. Right. So I'd rather, I'd rather you have plausible deniability, <laughs> and I'll just do it. And I knew they weren't going to fire me, so, you know, it was like, okay. So, is there anything that you, do you ever stop yourself? Oh yeah. yeah I, I would think yeah, you have definitely. to. Definitely. And I'll tell you something too, now mm -hmm. with, with the heightened sensitivity about oh. everything, I've, I've, oh, yeah. I've stopped, like I made what I thought was an innocent comment, Whitney, uh, one of our wonderful dancers, was with Frankie Muniz and, and uh, a season ago, and, and after their dance, uh, Carrie Ananaba said to Frankie, well, you kind of, meaning the, the choreography, he, he said, you, you kind of lost control of Whitney there. And her, her intention was to say that the choreography might have been too difficult. Mm -hmm. and, and I responded, and it was taken wildly out of context. I said, well, he's not the first guy that's lost control of Whitney. And, <laughs> I, and, I and, saw that. And Why? she looked at me, and I said, no, you're a harsh taskmaster. I was talking about her as a choreographer and right. as, as, a, as a pro, as a coach. But, but because of the cl climate now, and I have to say, the audience responded in a way that made me realize, okay, they didn't take it the way I intended either. So that's why I was trying oh to Oh God, I don't remember that. Yeah, really? Like, yeah, it was, it was, it was like, yeah, I felt like, oh, maybe I didn't say it as deftly as mm -hmm. I wanted. But it's still just a joke, no yeah. matter how you take but it. But in the heightened sensitivity right. now, it became like this, uh, this, minor controversy. How so? What was well, the fallback? Ask, you'd have to ask them you know, that I had sexual connotation, which of course I didn't, but... Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm like the dad on that set, if anything, so... Um, you, you get some pretty saucy comments in, though, from yeah. time to time. Yeah. yeah. Like, there was one that I, I would still say today, if, if the opportunity arose. Uh, Derek and his partner at the time had done this really sexy salsa and Carrie Ann said, oh, I hope the kids are in bed, to which I replied, I bet a lot of the adults are now. <laughs> so that was, you know, that but was that, fine. See, that's, that's the thing about it. Yeah. If the dancing itself is so sexual, right. why can't he have a cracker chip? Yeah. 
Come on. Come on. And, but that's, that's a sexy show. It yeah. is. And that's also a very generic. That's not yeah. aimed at it. I no. think the trouble becomes when it's like at some, right. especially at a woman, where, yeah, yeah. It, where yeah. the sensitivity right. is so heightened. Right. With somebody like you who is so present and in the moment, yeah. I could see you having to oh, I, I definitely yourself. And, and even in the dress rehearsals now, which we always have talked about as being the R-rated version of the show, I feel oh, myself really? pulling back even that. Okay, so now dress rehearsals, you have an audience? No, oh. no, it's just it's just so we can get a feel. They can all the couples can get the dances, uh, and the, the pacing of the show. The director has a sense of where there might be areas we need to tweak. So, um, in other words, you're going to say things there that, oh, that you... I wouldn't say on a live show. No, wow. absolutely not. Yeah, we um, should ask about the Chloris season because I don't know how you kept her in check. That's you don't really keep Chloris Leesman <laughs> in check. You just enjoy it. It's sort of like with Charo you know, some of the more flamboyant guests we've had. You're on a live television show. That's wonderful. I mean, I I'm, I was thrilled Adam Rippon is on the show from the Olympics. He's great. He's just, he's so uh, so alive to the moment. And and that's great on live TV. So a, a Clarence... Uh, a, a, a Clarence was Clarence, here not long Oh, is that right? Not, yeah, she was She's a sweetheart. She actually, after one dance, and she at the time was... Did she do it with her slippers on it? Didn't she do it no, with her slippers on it? No, once? I don't think so. But she actually managed she to get her ankle up on my shoulder. Oh, you never knew what she was going to do. You never did. It was the she, best. she was dancing with Corky Ballas, if I recall correctly, and she came over, and she while like, she was getting her critique, suddenly I felt this ankle. <laughs> I was like, how can you not be impressed with that flexibility that's, that's at 84 or whatever? Yeah. yeah, and when you're 84, you'll be able to say a lot more than you can say now. Because at That's that true. point, it's like, just let, let them talk. Yeah. This is awesome. Okay. So, um, oh my God. So, so Tanya Harding. So we were talking about this a little yeah. bit before we went on the air. I was uh, watching the show this week, most impressed with Tanya. Yeah, it was very emotional. I think anybody who's seen the movie, I, Tanya, probably has come away with a bit of a changed perspective I would hope so I certainly have um, but still are there any jokes about keeping bludgeons away from her and or <laughs> keeping I mean there must be some it would be so easy to joke about her proximity to her competitors well or is that still is yeah, it too soon it's no, no I think it's too easy yeah, yeah. and it's and, it, and it's kind of unfair yeah. to you know I look if 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 I hadn't seen the movie, too, which gave me a, a different perspective on totally. things, uh, at, which led me to find some old interviews with her, uh, Maury, oh, Povich, no Maury Povich did an interview with her probably 10, 15 years ago. Okay. That was her first sort of coming out mm -hmm. back into the public eye. And I thought it was a, a very uh, emotional interview. See, but 10 years ago, I wouldn't have believed anything. Yeah, yeah. Before I saw the movie, I didn't believe a word See, we, she we said. Did. I thought she was... You know what was so uh, great about the movie, though, was like, she kind of like said to us, stop it. Every time you joke about this, this, this is not, you're not being fair to me. Like, she, she virtually told the audience, you're a part of the problem. Well, first of all, it wasn't her. It was Margot Robbie who was brilliant. Yeah. Right. But so right. it was. But it, it, we but, were all guilty. Of but it. but yeah. the thing was that coming from Mar through Rob, uh, Margot Robbie's version of of 
Tanya Harding. It was she could do get away with a lot more than Tanya could. That's true. I think if Margot Robbie played Mussolini, I'd go. You know, he wasn't so bad. And the trains did run on time. Yeah, he makes a good point. But it, Margot Robbie. Yeah, it's what, such a brilliant performance. And it was and nice. It was more than nice. It was really sweet to have Allison Jenny so there fabulous. beaming at Tanya fabulous. while she was dancing. And, it was fabulous. Yeah. But as we were discussing before we went on the air, prior to seeing the movie, I always assumed that Tanya was guilty, that she was the one. Well, a lot was, of people thought she was the one with the club. I mean, that I she thought was she the was the one, the one with the club, yeah. or at least no. definitely the one who said, go do yeah, it. Yeah. So. Seeing that movie, and then also seeing what she came from, the abuse right. that she came from, which I had no idea of. Right. Um, I think she was, if I recall the how the movie played out and what I remember from the actual event, if she was guilty of anything, it was being part of the cover-up. Right. You know, she it was, was uh, but, what screwed Nixon, basically. But the, but it, it, but the different, well, Nixon had more to do with the pre. Yeah, I, that's I, true. I, I don't really think yeah. Tanya did. And he couldn't I, skate for shit. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's just, it's so sad. Like when, on Monday night when, when she was on dancing, she, she's crying, she's yeah. so vulnerable yeah. Yeah. and she so wants to be liked right. and she so wants to do what she loves and she was actually a beautiful dancer. She's quite yeah. a talented She did a great job. Yeah. I mean, she I was in such a fog of abuse in her childhood that you kind of knew that. But it was still funny mm. because it was such an absurd situation. Yeah, it was that was the part of it that made it so hard to take more seriously. And the movie helped you do that. The movie really helped yeah. you understand. It did. But, but, you, but you also saw the clownish characters that that enacted that attack. And mm. Yeah, but doesn't it remind you of the White House? It's like clowns attract clowns. <laughs> they sort yeah. of cluster together yeah. these crazy people who will take advantage of people's vulnerabilities. Right, and right. So how, what is it like when the cameras aren't rolling with her? Um, oh, she's charming. She, we did a little uh, cocktail party uh, before we all uh, announced the cast mm -hmm. on Good Morning America, so we were all at the same hotel in New York on the Thursday night before, and I had never met her before, and she came up to me and gave me a big hug and told me that she and her husband love America's Funniest Videos and watched that for years. and. You know, it was all very genuine and down to earth, mm -hmm. and, and uh, as as it often is, mm -hmm. I gotta say, in twenty now it's twenty six seasons. Okay, that's just a crazy number yeah, right there. Yeah, but it's over, two per year though. Right, right. Over thirteen years. So yeah. it's since two thousand five. I yeah, two thousand five. Um, I I gotta say, I can't really think of anybody that I found to be. I mean, there were some people that I might, you know, politically not agree with here mm -hmm. and there. But that's fine. I mean, uh, but in terms of the energy they brought to the show, the the atmosphere that I think has been a constant throughout the thirteen years, mm -hmm. it's still a pleasure. It's still fun to do. Any favorites of people that just really surprised you with their personalities? Well, I think I, I go always go back to season three when Emmett Smith won, and he was the first one that showed us that. These sports people, which is why this season we watched so him here. Yeah, yeah, it was like wow. And he was the really the first of what became a long list of athletes who've, who've proven they can also dance. We've got some mm -hmm. great ones on this season, and it's, it's a very abbreviated season. So who's looking like front runners? Well, I don't want to. I, I don't want to play favorites, but uh, suffice it to say that um, 
we've got all athletes and they all look with some there's variation. A, yeah, there's a little there's, exception. Some to of them that. look really good and some of them look like maybe they're gonna benefit by being in a really short season. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a month. Yeah, it's only a month, so we're already twenty five percent done now. Yeah. So and and so for you, Tom Bergeron, yes, that's a good you. thing because you've got other things that you aspire to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the acting, uh, more of that. The uh, the goal to achieve a sloth like uh, uh, approach. Is... Are you writing? No, I haven't been writing. Because we talked. I remember that we talked a couple of years ago, and you were talking about maybe writing another book. Yeah, then. I just I haven't uh, I haven't found the right angle. <laughs> okay. Yet. I mean, well, I enjoy what I do. To, yeah. To, to uh... all right. So let's go back. So, so you're so you start out in radio. How did you get your first? So you you're doing the the announcement at school. Yeah, and and my public speaking teacher Ed Johnson, mm -hmm. who became a dear friend, um, introduced me to the local radio station manager, and his name was Ed Setlin, mm -hmm. great guy, and I, very eccentric guy. And, and he would always, uh, my image of him is always chewing on the end of his glasses. And I, I, don't, I don't recall him ever wearing them so much as chewing them. <laughs> and he, I remember what he said before he hired me. He said, Tommy, there's no money in radio. I'll prove it to you. I'll give you a job. <laughs> and there wasn't there, but it was a great learning uh, ground. And, and uh, I got to do everything. I did the morning show after high school. And, you know, I was a newsman, you know, running around the local city hall getting all the news from the police department and everything and, and uh, yeah it was fun it was fun and how did you how did hosting is a very specific thing mm. um, my father was a master of ceremonies it's something that I do obviously with this what uh, are do you think that you're interested in other people why do you have the gift what what is that I don't know. I, I I joke that I have no other marketable skills. I, <laughs> I just was always drawn to broadcasting mm -hmm. as, a, as a kid. And uh, my first interviews were, and I've told this story with Howard Stern and, and other places, with Mo Howard and Larry Fine at the Three Oh, Stooges. come on, stop. And I was in my, my the house I grew up in, in Haverhill, Massachusetts, and my folks were out. My sister was at a sleepover. And I knew Mo and Larry were still alive. This is 1972. So I called information and asked for numbers for Mo Howard and Larry Fine. The, the operator said, we got a few M. Howards, but I got one Larry Fine. She gave me the number. I called. His mother how, answered. How old are you when you're doing this? 16. Go ahead. His mother answers. I said, his, his mother? mother? She goes, oh, I'm not the mother of Larry Fine of the Three Stooges, but we get these calls every so I know where he is. He's at the Motion Picture Home, you know, in Woodland Hills. He was recovering from a stroke. I called. He came on the phone after uh, a half hour. I had to call back because he was playing poker and he had a good hand. <laughs> and even though he suffered a stroke, it was still very distinctly him. And he was charming. And he was so gracious to this kid calling from Massachusetts. But I think he could tell. So I wait, was... did you record it? Oh yeah. yeah. I... And I think he could tell I was a fan. And about maybe 15 minutes into the conversation, he said. You want Mo's number? He gave me Mo's home oh, phone number. My God! So I called Mo's house and talked to him. And over the next okay, eighteen, wait. Well, wait a minute. Over the next eighteen months, probably talked to them each a half a dozen times. Wow! If you go online and because I told this story to Howard, 
and he encouraged me to look for the tapes. Right. And I found a couple of them. You did. So you can hear, if you type in, uh, like on YouTube, Tom Bergeron, The Lost Stooges, you can hear the whole 90-minute special, which includes a lot of the comedy bits that Stern and company have done about the Stooges wow. over the years, but also 16-year-old me and 17-year-old me trying to sound older. What a treasure. Yeah. Were you terrified? I mean, when, when Larry Initially said, I was. Yeah. When, but not so much because he was so lovely mm. when he came on the phone. I was terrified until it started being real. Mm. When the guy at the switchboard said, yeah, Larry's here. Uh, he's playing, uh, playing poker. Let me go get him. And then he came back and asked me to call back in a half hour. That half hour is probably the most nervous. I, I, I could all only... of a sudden it was like, wait a minute, this started as a lark, but it's actually happening. But the moment Larry got on the phone and we got a couple of minutes in, it was obvious that he was very generous and very welcoming and, and obviously, and Mo wasn't thrilled that he gave okay. the number up. Right, so I, I wanted to ask that, yeah. so tell me about well, kind of Well, Mo's wife answered the phone, and so she gets him, and he sounded exactly like Mo from the shorts. And he went, who gave you this number? Oh, Larry did. And, and in my memory, there was this lovely pause followed by Larry. <laughs> which, which to me contained lame brain, numb skull, oh, you know, all of that. There's so much in that Oh my God. So is that sort of who you are, like this, that's a lot of balls right there. That was, it, Howard even said to me when we were talking about it, he said, I, I wouldn't have done that yes. at 16 years old. I, I don't know what possessed me to do it other than I just was a fan and I was bored and, <laughs> and there was a phone and nobody else in the house. And you had a tape recorder. And I had a tape recorder with a little suction cup on the, you know, phone. I was going to say, and, how'd you, know, you do it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, is that was that like a running theme? Like, is that how how did your career? I mean, did you do ballsy things? Yeah, I think I think it, at at critical moments, and mm -hmm. this goes back to the very first thing we were talking about of the power of intention, mm -hmm. of 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 actualizing towards your goals and dreams. Mm -hmm. At a point where I was unemployed and had proven myself to be a disastrous sales rep for a company that made flexible tubing. Um, oh, I, the, I day wanted, the day job. I, I, I realized I needed to get back into radio, but I wanted to try to get in creatively. So I pitched to a radio station in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, that I would do a hitchhiking, plane hopping trip across country and do reports from the road. So that's what I did for five weeks. So they wow. paid me a stipend and they paid my airfare back from San Francisco. To Boston, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah with me and my backpack and everything. Uh, it was called the Month Across America, and I literally—you were way ahead of your time. A lot of people have done that since. Yeah, like and I—I I was in a full pack, and I had a, a you know sleeping bag, everything, and I hitched, and I hitched rides and uh, with pilots and, and pri uh, private pilots and airports, and. And this is going. You're a kid when you're doing this. Twenties. Um, yeah, early twenties, I think. Because, uh, oh my God, because Tom Green did a version of that just not that many years oh, ago. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, and met great people along the way. It was, it was really a very intense five weeks, but that got me an offer of a regular 
uh, nightly radio show. So you came up with that idea as a way to get yourself back on the air. Yeah, and, and to do something that I always wanted to do, which was that sort of Jack Kerouac, uh, uh, Vorobian, just on the, road. on the road. Yeah, And I had a copy of John Steinbeck's Travels with Charlie <laughs> in my backpack. That was like my, my literary companion. Did you have like enough money to like do it okay? Yeah, I, it was really, uh, yeah, very, I remember getting drunk with the radio station manager in Whitefish, Montana, mm -hmm. uh, I, sitting at a bar. So I was going to meet up with a friend who was in Whitefish, but she wasn't there yet. So I went, as one does with a full backpack, went to the bar, <laughs> and I was drinking Boilermakers, which oh, is a, nice. a draft beer, and you drop in a shot of whiskey. And the guy sitting next to me, broke up, we started up a conversation. He was the radio station manager. A couple of Boilermakers in, he offered me the morning show at their local radio station. And I figured, he'll sober up, you won't remember any of this, so I better just keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> You know, it's interesting the way you have created opportunities for yourself, though. I mean, this show is called The Road Taken, and yeah. that's sort of the point of it, yeah. is how did you maneuver through and make things happen? Because you did make things happen yeah. for yourself, clearly. Yeah. So, And it wasn't just a straight-up thing. So, yeah. so fact, My career, look in hindsight, it looks like a hostage note. I mean, it's just all <laughs> patchwork. It makes sense when you look back at it. It never makes sense going forward. Okay, so going forward, so you were that kid who did the announcements, then you got some radio work, but then obviously there was a period of not work because you right. came up with this idea. Yeah, so yeah. When, when, did it, when did it click and keep moving forward? It was, the TV stuff happened by accident. The TV stuff happened as a result of the radio show I did in New Hampshire, a nightly show that was very improvisational. I would have musicians come in and perform live. I would call all over the world to follow up stories that made me laugh. Uh, and, and so Was it, this like your own format? This yeah, show? Kind it of sounds it like it. it. So you weren't afraid of calling anybody. No, and the station was wonderful about, I remember the general manager calling me into his office once and said, you know, Tom, our long distance phone bill <laughs> is actually outpacing the advertising <laughs> revenue. So if, if you find a couple of good stories and one of them is in Beijing and the other one's in Rochester, New Hampshire, pick can you Rochester. go with Rochester? <laughs> okay, so now how did you, did you pitch this, or did, you, did the show just, did you just morph this show? Yeah, they, it was a show in a day. What were you supposed to be doing? Playing, just playing records. Stop. And it was a show, a, a day part that wasn't doing well in the ratings for them, so they let me play. And I just started doing this. I, and, and much like having Jeff on with me on Dancing with the Stars, I didn't ask anybody. I just started doing it. And it, it worked. It worked. And, and that led to... Did it to, work right away? Well, it worked, yeah, pretty much. Uh -huh. Pretty much. Because I was... I, I had been unemployed enough mm -hmm. to be hungry enough mm -hmm. to know that I wanted to show up. I wanted to pour whatever creative energy I had into this. With not so much with the thought of what it would lead to, right. but just in the now of it, I wanted right. it to be good. Mm -hmm. Did you know you? How did you know you were funny? When did you know you were funny? When did that become a part of? Oh, this is part of my skill set. I, I got to tell you, during that period when I was unemployed, and it was as anybody who's either going through it now or has, you know, it can be. You wake up in the morning, you got a knot in your stomach, and you know the bills are coming in, and you don't know how the hell you're going to pay them. And, you know, like friends were fronting me for beers at the local pub in Newburyport. About you know, it's just it's it's horrible. And uh, 
So I went to like an industrial park in my hometown and I was filling out uh, job applications for jobs that were going to be soul crushing to me. Mm. And there was one uh, part of the application that said salary desired and they wanted you to put a number in there, which is always a bad idea. You don't want to negotiate against yourself. Right. So I just wrote yes. <laughs> salary desired, yes. And I started laughing. Yeah. And I crumpled the paper up, threw it in the wastebasket right there, said thank you very much, and left. And I, that's when I started to think about the idea for the trip. Like if I'm this it was, clever. Well, no. If, if it, the fact that I could make myself laugh, myself laugh, yes. in the midst of that, yes. I, I knew at that moment, I said, my sense of humor is going to be my salvation here. Going to be the way I get That's out of this moment. depression because I was depressed too. Have you? Did you study comedy in school? No, did you, no, I was always drawn to it. You watched uh, comedies, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, like idols, Stooges, Stooges. Stooges. Who, who Oddly, else? like silent film comedians like Chaplin and Keaton and Marlon Hardy and, and people like that, and the modern day physical comedians like Dick Van Dyke, Sid Caesar. But none of that is what up. you. You're 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 so cerebral. Your stuff is so smart. It's so oh, it's so much a matter of words with you. Well, but yeah, but uh, but there's a physicality too about. Uh, yes. I'm always aware that I'm on a television show and that, you know like when Marie Osmond fainted I was I was aware I saw that live right? well, I, well no I didn't unfortunately she went like a sack of potatoes but uh, oh. but when we were coming back from a very long commercial break after the paramedics had come in and checked and she was okay um, I knew that visually how I looked visually on camera would indicate to the viewers whether she was dead or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if, if, if you saw the wide shot and I was like this, right. but so I, I was, you know, made sure that I was as loose as ever. Wow. And that so it would be, okay, she must be okay. Cause look how. Oh, we and we're going to take our there. first caller. Let's go to the phones. Oh, God, you know, I took, I, 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 I yeah, took it right. off. I'm, all right, I well, feel well, like Larry King. Let's go to uh, Lou in Poughkeepsie. <laughs> Lisa Goich is watching. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Lisa. Um, you know what I think the thing is with Marie? I think she gains weight and loses weight every year so she can keep doing those commercials. It was so funny. I presented at the Daytime Emmy Awards Saturday night, and, and as I was going into the uh, the place, she was walking the other way, and we hugged and caught up, and she wanted to take some pictures because she had a bunch of the family with her. Oh. And she instantly, thank God I caught her, she swooned. For old times' sake, she goes, "Oh, we have to do one of these," and suddenly she just, you know, like, "Whoa!" Without, without warning, without you, she warning just went down. Me. Yeah, yeah. She's funny. That's actually but, uh, very, she's that's, very. That's funny. very funny. She's very. Funny. Um, and speaking of Emmy awards, so Tom has been nominated five times, has won a daytime Emmy, a nighttime Emmy. Um, what is? I don't the, want to correct you, but I've been nominated more than that. Okay, well that's. But I've only you, won you, twice. You've got to correct your 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 social your wiki thing because it says oh, five. Yeah, but wiki. wiki I mean, wiki so has bad. me uh, uh, in the movie Goonies. It does. Yeah. Yeah, wiki subtitle is we're really just kissing. No, we're just we're making this stuff <laughs> yes. up. Yeah, I, I, all right, so I know. Oh my, Emmy is going to freak out because you did an episode of Castle. My friend Emmy yeah. is, is binging Castle for the third time. I, I gave good course. You gave you gave and 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 the nanny. You're in the nanny, and yeah. you, but the best is is. Sesame Street, oh my God. Sesame yeah. Street was fun, Star Trek was fun. Star I, I Trek was the twice. alien a couple times in Star Trek, but I got to play uh, Johnny Gotcha on an episode of <laughs> Sesame Street. 
Johnny Gotch was, uh, was hosting a hidden camera show and he was trying to catch them in bad, with bad manners. And of course, you know, it was Not frustrating. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so what's it like? Oscar was the only one who was excited I was there. <laughs> so, what kind of bad manners are the Muppets exhibiting this Well, season? none. Yeah, that was the point. Yeah, uh, they were okay. all very nice. Um, they were nice. So, what is... I'm sure the daytime Emmy was quite thrilling for Hollywood Squares. I'm sure that was a great yeah, thing. Great. But I can only imagine that winning a nighttime Emmy is like a pretty extraordinary... It was cool. It was really cool. It, it was uh, particularly uh, nice because um, we, <laughs> the reality show hosts, when that category first came out, somebody got the bright idea of all of us hosting the Emmys which I was very reluctant to sign on to. I because, that. Because it was, I, I said, it's going to be like herding cats. Because <laughs> we're all kind of different. And yeah. I said, well, it's on ABC, and you're the only one that hasn't said yes right now. So, wow. So, like, okay. And, and it turned out to be a disaster. Who else was it? But it gave me an end for the book. Oh, okay. Because the very next night after this disastrous uh, Emmys, I had to host the season premiere of Dancing with the Stars. So two live shows back to back, one that was an unmitigated uh, disaster. <laughs> and the next one, I had to shake it all off and right. be focused on the job at hand. And even standing on the stage at the end of that Emmy broadcast, I was thinking, I've got an end for this. Because I was writing the book at the time. Mm -hmm. And I thought, this is the ultimate test of, are you really capable of being present in the moment? And doing what's required even hours after a humiliating event has happened. So, okay, so... So, to, win, to actually win the Emmy a few years later when Kimmel was hosting and Kimmel had come up with a very funny opening bit that called back to that disastrous show Ooh. where the five of us, because it was me, Heidi Klum, uh, Ryan Seacrest, Howie Mandel, and Jeff, we... we Kimmel's freaking out. He doesn't know if he wants to host the Emmys, and you know people are trying to talk him into it. He's hiding out in a bathroom stall, and all five of them come up, and we go, "We'll do it!" <laughs> and it was it was a cleansing thing. So to have that, and, and it got a great laugh yeah. in the room, and then win that same night was was a bit of a that's pretty a sweet palate cleanser from two thousand and eight. Who who presented your award to you? Um, uh, Seth. McFarland. That's wow. not yeah, a bad yeah, place for it yeah, to come from. You've had a lot of validation in your career. But okay, so let's get back to when did that success so you're you're trying things. Yeah. That 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 radio station where you were doing wild things, was yeah. that successful for you? Yeah, it was very successful. It led to Boston television stations offering me jobs. And I, that's how I got into Boston TV. Was how do you segue from radio to TV? You have they... you have people listening to right. the radio show and liking what they're hearing. Mm -hmm. And you're handsome. Well, you, well, you, he happens to be mm -hmm. handsome, but that you don't know that when you're listening. So it was like he has headshots, I guess. Well, I didn't then. Well, see, this is what I'm asking. And, how did and it they happen? just uh, it was Howard never successfully segued to TV. Um, I got. I, I offered an audition for a show, uh, an overnight show on Channel 5 in Boston, which now is where I'm on all the time because it's an ABC affiliate. But mm -hmm. I didn't get that job, but the person who was producing it called a friend of hers at another Boston station. They were about to launch a kid show, a weekend magazine show. And she said, he wasn't right for us, but I think he might be right for you. So suddenly I got WBZ calling. And I was told by the producer, who's, who's 
been a friend since, Garland Waller. She said, everybody came in and we had them do the same thing. There was a stool on a dark stage, a mm -hmm. bunch of kids sitting at the foot of the stool, a bag with stuff in it, and we would say, all right, sit on the stool, reach in the bag, improvise whatever's in there with the kids. So I, get, I go in, I sit on the stool, mm -hmm. and instantly it felt wrong. So I said, this doesn't feel right. So I put the stool aside and I sat down on the floor with the kids. Nice. And she said, you were the only one who did that. Mm. So that, and plus the fact that we had fun with whatever we were playing with. <laughs> um, that's how I got that gig. And, and that led to a lot of other stuff. Have there been heartbreaks? Things that you really wanted that didn't? There, um, yeah, there was, there, the show that I'm proudest of that was still the most mm -hmm. fun I've ever had on television was a show on FX called Breakfast Time that I did in 94 when FX launched. I was the, actually the first face on FX in the morning wow. when the station came on. Wow. And this show was uh, just a wonderful, wonderful experience with uh, Lori uh, Hibbert at the time, now Lori Gelman, married mm -hmm. to Michael Gelman over at what used to be Regis and Kathleen, mm -hmm. I forget who's there now. But, oh, it's Ryan and Kelly, right? I guess so. Yeah, yeah. So uh, she, was, uh, she and I hosted it together. We had road warriors like Phil Kogan, who's now an amazing race, and uh, it, was, it was wonderful. And it was so much fun mm -hmm. that they wanted, people at uh, Fox wanted to bring it to the network. Mm -hmm. Now that's kind of what you'd go for. It's right. like, all right, we're on the farm team, mm -hmm. we want to go to the big leagues. But the guy who really liked us, Greg Mydell, left Fox mm -hmm. in the interim, so he went to Paramount. So while we were going from a cable show to a network show, our cheerleader left. Mm. So we were somebody else's project. Mm. And so that became really a, a bad situation. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was one of those be careful what you wish for scenarios. So I, I kind of mourn the loss of that show, Breakfast Time, but by the same token, the way everything's played out personally mm -hmm. since then, I've, I can't really complain. <laughs> so what what was the what was the thing that took you over the top? Okay, so now your life changes. So now the house changes, the lifestyle changes. The yeah. what was that for you? Well, it was interesting, and, and and that was a point too where things. It goes back to the kind of the serendipity of things. Mm -hmm. Like I was doing the the Fox version of the show, which even though. It wasn't as creatively exhilarating as the cable version had been. I still was determined to show up every day mm -hmm. and do it to the best of my ability. Mm -hmm. uh, and just kind of take the cards the way they were dealt up to a point. And while that was happening, Rune Arledge is over at ABC mm -hmm. and they're thinking of rebooting Good Morning America. He goes, hey, that guy with uh, the puppet and the, mm -hmm. the crazy apartment set, let's, let's talk to him. So I ended up... When, when I left the Fox show, which was basically dying, um, I ended up working with Good Morning America for a while. And, mm -hmm. you know, that was out of left field. And, and, and when that... So that changes your, your visibility completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, then, you're, you're a national celebrity. Well, at least you're on the... I don't know about a celebrity, but on yeah. the national stage, on at least yeah. some level. Yeah. And uh, GMA was, was good. The co-host they had at the time, she and I didn't really mesh, so that didn't work out. But uh, then Hollywood Squares came beckoning. 
So one thing kind of led to another, but it really goes back to my belief, and this is true in any profession, that the, the moment you start phoning it in, mm -hmm. you are your own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. And that you never know, whether it's on a thousand watt radio station or uh, a, a corporate environment, you never know who's watching, who's listening, mm -hmm. um, and, and what that could portend for you going mm -hmm. forward. So that's always been, so yes, I've definitely been lucky, I've been fortunate, but I think that that luck and good fortune is at least in part a factor of the commitment that I like to think I bring to Absolutely. what I do. The fact that you're still, after all 26 seasons, 13 years, whatever it is, still... And 15 on the video show, too. Which I left. Is... And that's still going with Alfonso, that's still going great. <coughs> Why did you leave? Because <coughs> it was 15 years. And, and, and I had, uh, you know, I think I had done more dad jokes uh, than any one human should ever do in a lifetime. <laughs> and, and it was wonderful, it was great, uh, but I wanted to take the show to the 25th anniversary. Bob Saget, who's a good buddy, mm -hmm. was gracious enough to do the perfect tag at the end of my final show. What did he do? Um, I'll, I'll let you look it up online, but it was mm -hmm. a lovely, uh, it was a lovely gesture, not only to our friendship, mm -hmm. but also an acknowledgement of him as having started the franchise and the two of us. I'll, I'll tell you, basically, yeah. I, we're at Disneyland and that we've awarded the big winners and I leave the stage and the camera follows me as I'm walking to a golf cart. There's a guy uh, at the driver's seat with a newspaper up that says Bergeron slash AFE at Disneyland, blah, blah. And I sit next to him and I say, all right, it's time to go. And he drops the paper and it's Bob. <laughs> and the two of us have some banter that, that mostly was ad-lib, but was a lot of fun. And off we go and we just drive off and that's it. That's fabulous. And it was fun. It, but, but it was largely so that I'd have more time to do things like the Netflix mm -hmm. movie or, or to be open to other opportunities in a different venue mm -hmm. that would stretch different muscles. Because I think that's important. I'm coming up on my 63rd birthday on mm -hmm. Sunday, and I, and I don't want to be complacent in my 60s. I want to be... Uh, adventurous. Know, yeah, a little bit more adventurous. Well, well, you've been, it sounds like you've been adventurous all the way through, from the phone call to Mo and Larry, <laughs> to, uh, to just the fact that you are still ad-living on dancing. I yeah. mean, I, when I think about, Harry and I watch the boys, we, we want, I mean, I, Carson is serviceable. I, I, has Carson ever made a joke on the voice? Carson doesn't make jokes. It's not his thing, though. He's it's not, not, he's, not, it's not his thing. Ryan Seacrest, nobody better as a host. I mean, he's I don't, so good. I don't I watch the new American Idol, but I watched American Idol for years, and Ryan he's is very good. incredible. But you're not going to laugh. You're not going to no, laugh Tom's watching Ryan. You're Tom's the guy. I mean, I'm trying to think <laughs> if there's another famous host that is funny. I mean, well, you have it. Well, Saturday, yeah. yeah, but he was a stand. Well, you, but you, did you ever do stand up? No, I did briefly, but I didn't have. I, I didn't have a, a, a sensibility for it. I was. Mm. I think you have to have a, and you know, Bob's a great example. His stand up is is pretty Ooh. blue <laughs> in person. He's you know a mensch. He's just an absolute sweetheart. But I didn't have a, a comic persona or, mm. or a prism to put it all through. I was mm. all over the place. So that didn't work so much for me. I think broadcasting was a better fit. It's just it's just really interesting because if I, I haven't really thought about it until just now, but I really don't think there's anybody else like you. I think you are a unique a unique Cat Healy's funny. 
She's she's um, so Kat Dealey is charming. Yeah. I don't know that I would say she's funny. Oh, okay. Um, I, like I yeah, yeah, I like her. She's likable. Um, the judges. I mean, she's got the cutest little accent there. But but you are. There's something special about oh, you, thank Tom. You. Thank um, you. There is. So okay. So. This, this platform that you have where you do a lot of other things. I mean, I see pictures of you, you're with, every, you're with Carl and Mel, yeah, you're with yeah. Dick Van Dyke, you're, yeah. you're always, so how does that part of, what's going on there that all that, that stuff's going on? That is, uh, Carl and I met when I was doing the talk show in Boston, mm -hmm. WBZ, the TV show. We've been friends ever since, and that led to meeting Dick and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and Mel Brooks and, and, and the dancing show, even though he had been a guest on my FX show years earlier, Shatner and I became really good friends uh, over the past few years. And you know, for me, there's, it's really neat to hang out with people that I grew up admiring mm -hmm. and get to know them as people. Absolutely. You know, because it's, it's easy to perceive somebody as, um, like Henry Winkler was a great example. He was the exec producer with uh, Michael Levitt of the last two years of Hollywood Squares. Oh, and, really? Yeah. yeah. And is one of the sweetest guys you're ever going to meet. Louise goes way back. Oh, with well, Henry. all right. So you know. Mm -hmm. yeah, talk about a mensch, right? It's Henry. Yeah. And, and he's fabulous on Barry, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Fabulous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and uh, he's just. He's just a, a, a wonderful guy, mm -hmm. and, and to be able to, we were doing a publicity tour for Squares when he first became the uh, exec, and so we were traveling to different markets together, and I got to know him a bit, and he was so self-effacing about what it was like to go from the pinnacle of being the Fonz, because I said to him, we were at Penn Station waiting to board a train, mm -hmm. and I said, what was it like? I said, you were like all four Beatles in one yeah. during that time, mm -hmm. and he said, well, he said, I knew that a career is about hills and valleys, mm -hmm. that, that that's what it is. But in the midst of that, I started to think, maybe I'll be the guy who can go from hill to hill. <laughs> and of course, you realize nobody's going to be. Yeah. Everybody, careers are like that. Yeah. You know, you, you, you can come out in a Nova burst, but to have longevity, mm -hmm. as Henry has had, you know, he's a writer, he's a director, he's a children's book writer, he's, he's an actor mm -hmm. still, and... So that having that hyphen, it builds like that too. I mean, he's 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 always doing nine or ten different things, and he's eighty-seven. It sounds crazy. Um, so they have been inspirational to me. Carl, too, of course, at ninety-six. Dick at ninety-one, ninety, ninety-one. If you stay curious, if you stay passionate about things, if you if you're never saying, okay, that's I'm done now, mm -hmm. you know, because then you will be. It, you're it, always interested. Yeah, always right. interested. Right, right. So yeah. have you, there were people that were pivotal for you, that believed in you and that yeah. helped you move yes, forward. Yes, absolutely. Are you, I know you do a lot of charity stuff and a lot, are you, do you mentor any? have you mentored anyone? I, I try to be, I, uh, because I think it's, it's crucial. You're right, there were people, Ed Johnson, who got me that radio job, um, a, a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, theater teacher I worked with for a few years, um, Tony Montanaro. I, I said, and it's true, my best broadcasting teacher was a mime. 
<laughs> because he taught me more about being present on stage and owning the space and and finding my own voice, if you will. Because he didn't do all the white face stuff of, right? of Marceau. That was a very he really, <laughs> he really taken out of the losses. Yeah. Um, but he 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 was great for getting me to find my own personality, not only on stage, but then I could bring that to to broadcast too. Interesting. And then uh, I worked at, when I was doing the FX show at mm -hmm. a point where I thought, okay, I've run out of people that can challenge me here because I've been doing it for so long. Peter Feynman was uh, the exec in charge of that show. And he directed in Australia, he directed Crocodile Dundee, the first one, the good one, and, and had a, a great reputation in Australian television mm -hmm. for massive live broadcasts. Mm -hmm. And he became the guy and we were like co-conspirators on this FX show. And it was wonderful. It was just a, a very rich time. What was the, um, was the Hollywood Squares thing as fun as I hope it was? It, yeah, it really was. And, it, I, and again, that's another kind of fluky thing. I, the Good Morning America thing didn't uh, pan out. Uh, but I had met Whoopi on the Fox show. And there was an executive at King World who was kind of watching to see if the GMA thing worked. Because when it didn't, he was on the phone and said, we'd like you to come out and audition for the host job for Hollywood Squares. And I thought, eh, I don't want to go live in California. Or, sorry, um, I'm an East Coast guy. Mm -hmm. But it'd be nice to see Whoopi. Because we really hit it off. She had come to the show, the Fox show, and she brought James Brown with her. And, uh, Whoopi was already huge at that point. Oh yeah, she yeah. was promoting a movie yeah. called The Associate that she was in. So that's how we met when she was promoting I don't remember that, that movie. Is she a lawyer? I don't remember. They didn't do a sequel, let's put it yeah. that way. Okay. It wasn't uh, her sister. Jumpin' Jack Flash was the yeah. first one I remember her from that I So just, we just... She was Ghost. We had, yeah, yeah, she won the Oscar. Yeah, she was yeah. amazing. Um, and we hit it off then mm -hmm. and we just picked it up at the uh, audition and... It was funny, it was almost a variation of that kid show audition in Boston. They told me after, you were the only one who wasn't scared of Whoopi. I said, oh, how, wow. how can you be scared of Whoopi? She's not scared of Mo. <laughs> not scared of Mo. But Whoopi's, you know, we, we've been buddies ever since. And Was anybody scary? I'm you were there a long time. No. No? no. Were people in good moods doing that? Not always. Mm -hmm. Not always, but um, that was their problem. Mm-hmm. But a lot of really nice friendships came from that, and, and uh, but that was another example of you know some just the work I was doing elsewhere, even though it didn't pan out the way I thought it would, mm. it led to other things. How did Dancing with the Star did Dancing with the Stars happen because of America's Funniest Videos? Like um, well, I had a relationship with ABC at that point, mm -hmm. and my then agent, uh, with whom I'm still friends, but I don't do any other hosting stuff, so. I, We've parted in that respect, but um, she called me and said, ABC wants you to do a summer show and you're going to do it. I said, oh, oh am I? <laughs> what is it? She said, it's live. You love live. Well, that's true. What is it? It's a big hit in England. <laughs> okay. What is it? You've got a promise before you answer, yes or no. They want you to look at a DVD of the British show. It's based on a British show called Strictly Come Dancing. Okay, that's fair. Mm -hmm. So they sent, uh, well, before they sent the DVD, I said, so now will you tell me what it is? And she said, yeah, it's a celebrity ballroom show. I said, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> now, wait, now, is this after the skating show had failed? No, 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 no. 
the skating show was a result of Dancing with the Stars oh, being oh, successful. Oh, okay. So they sent me the DVD. I got it the next day, watched, I don't think, more than 15 minutes. I thought, this could be fun. It just had a, had a great sense of humor about itself. It was people coming out of their comfort zones. Mm. Unlike the singing shows, they're not trying to become professional dancers. Right. They're just risking embarrassment. <laughs> and, uh, and the host, this uh, sort of veteran of, of British shows, Bruce Forsyth, I thought was this great character. I thought, okay, I can, I can see myself in that kind of role. Mm -hmm. Didn't have any thought of it lasting anywhere near what it's done. But, um, did you play it straight in your audition, or did you? I didn't audition. I offered it. Oh, I love yeah, this story. Yeah, yeah, and no, I never, I never played it straight at all. Um, I went in thinking, as long as I'm respectful of the dancers. Which did I you from have, the start yeah. go in with as Tom Bergeron? The only thing that's different now, or in subsequent seasons, there were scripted jokes. Oh. And I'm very good friends with the person who wrote them. Mm -hmm. Wow. But I said, this doesn't work. It doesn't work. You can't have a live show with a, a joke written that has maybe doesn't even pertain to what's going on here. Right. So by the end of that first season, I I kind of asked them, let's let's get rid of this. How 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 did it. that work for you when you were doing those? Uh, it was painful. Yeah. It, it was painful because it, it didn't feel right. But by the same token, I didn't know what the show was at that point. We were all finding our way. Right. And it was a matter. And it was only a six week season, the first mm -hmm. one. Um, so, but it wasn't your organic humor. No, and, and by the second season, when I, I really said, I, we need to, you need to trust me. Mm -hmm. I, if, if, it's, if I find something funny, I'll, I can make it happen. If it doesn't require a joke, if it requires a different energy, I can be honest in that moment as well. Mm -hmm. Let's do it that way. Mm -hmm. And happily, they, they were a little nervous at first, but they, they agreed. I can't remember having seen a show ever over these years that you didn't get at least one in that. Like, I, there was a period of a few years where I would go on your Facebook and I would write the one that would make me laugh the most the next morning because you always had something that was, that well, was it's precious. It's kind of hard to not have something in that environment, you know. Has, has, like, do you get your heart broken there? I mean, a lot of people, like, cry. And, yeah, like, and sometimes it's really sad. I mean, where, when, um, when certain people are voted off and mm -hmm. you know how much they've put into it and how, and especially as you get into the, the last few weeks when they can see mm -hmm. the, the mirable, the, the, the coveted mirable trophy <laughs> in the distance. Do they work, how hard do they work? Oh, they work real hard. They, they do four or five hours a day minimum, I think. And again, some of it's based on their schedules too, if they're doing 90 other. Now, uh, Arike Ogunwale, who's the, the, the incredible athlete from Notre Dame, she was on a plane I after the show because she had, she had a test in the morning at she's school, in school at, at 9.30 the next morning. So she was on a red eye during which she had to study to get ready for And so they're Insane. rehearsing there at Notre Insane. Dame. Is it always harder, no matter how they're warned, is it always harder than people think it's going to yeah, be? Yeah, I think if, if there's any consistent comment from the various people we've had over these 26 seasons, it's, I didn't think it'd be like this. I didn't think it'd be this hard. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's because you think, they never knew right, that. exactly. That's why the athletes do much better. I think yeah. they're used to being coached. They're used to feeling their bodies in space. Mm, so they, point. they do better generally, but, but even they, in a lot of cases go, wow, this is so different from the discipline I'm used to. Yeah. Or my and is there ever any, 
when it gets towards the end and there are only three or four, mm -hmm. um, does it ever get like, anybody get like ugly like I want to win kind of like? The, you know, the season that comes to mind, um, we did an all-star season mm -hmm. and we thought that was going to be a great idea. We have some of your favorites from past seasons. We pit them all against each other. I'm sure we watched that. You know, mm -hmm. uh, most of them were former champions, and, and a few were like almost there. So it was a great, so and, great dancing. And it wasn't that good, mm. and the ratings weren't that good. Mm. And and why do you think that is? I think that you'd already seen their journeys, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, our exec at the time had a great line, which I said, I wish you'd thought of this earlier. He goes. The problem with this is it turns out you had 13 people walk in as champions and 12 walk out as losers. Wow. <laughs> and, they, and the people who had been really great characters in their individual season somehow got more competitive mm -hmm. because they were up against other champions mm -hmm. and things like that. So it wasn't the big fun, fun party that we thought it was going to be. It got to be really competitive wow. and there wasn't as much joy in that season. Mm -hmm. So, okay, getting to the joy in the season, is it still joyful for you to do? Yeah, I still, I still enjoy it. I really do. I, I'm, I'm not, I, I know a lot of our fans are upset that the season's so short, mm -hmm. but I get it. They wanted to give American Idol as much real estate to, to Yeah, you, you talked about that before we went yeah. on the air, so I don't know if people know why. Well, it's that's, that, was the, that was the reason. Mm -hmm. um, Idol had... A stretch of time mm -hmm. for the investment they're putting into it they wanted to give it breathing room and uh, originally I think they were going to do a, a junior version of Dancing with the Stars in the spring that I will not be involved in I, I think it's going to be in the summer now um, that you will not be involved. no no that's one uh, that to me was a bridge too far that what is, what is it, June? Oh, they're going to do kids. kids yeah. Oh, yeah. I just, kids to death. The yeah. athletes, I, athletes is in our uh, milieu. It's part of who we are intrinsically. Mm -hmm. Right. When they tell me about the, the kid thing, I wish them well, obviously. No, These are friends of mine. They did this but so you think you can dance with the kids, and I just couldn't. Well. Like, yeah. Um, so that's one that I'll pass on. But, yeah. So, but that wasn't ready in time. Mm -hmm. And they came to me and, and said, if we did an athlete thing, would you be interested in that? I said, yeah, I'm sure Aaron would be too. And mm -hmm. so we all signed up for that one. Mm -hmm. And then it became an official season of the show, even though it's so uh, short. But you'll come back in the fall with, yeah, the, yeah, a for full, the, regular. with the full deal. Right. And you'll also have your, your candy jar. Candy jar, the film um, on Netflix. On Netflix. Yeah. And you'll also have the project that you're pitching, I have no doubt, Land, where you're the Grim Reaper. The Reapers. Messenger. <laughs> um, yes. I work for the Grim Reaper. So is there is there anything else, Tom Bergeron, that you have yet to do that uh, intrigues you? That calls to you? I don't have an answer for that now. I like but that. But I'm sure I will. I have no doubt I'm sure you will. I, I'm open to things. That, that, I think if, if there's anything that I'm enjoying now, it's, it's the first time in my life I haven't been... Be, thankfully because of the success of the shows hungry for the next job mm -hmm. so that I can afford to uh, both fiscally and emotionally take some more risks and, and try different things and the acting is certainly I was going to say it sounds like because yeah. hosting what more can you do right, that you right. haven't done yeah, I mean you no. pretty much I, I, I'm kind of done with that with the, with the exception of dancing Right. I'd be surprised if you saw me hosting anything 
So the the acting thing is calling now, yeah. and it's and you're really good. I got to see that that opening scene from from Candy Jar, and you have a very easy charm. I had lunch with a, a dear friend yesterday, Meredith Eaton, who mm -hmm. plays the boss on MacGyver on okay. CBS. And also Henry's. Oh, uh, huh? Henry's. Oh yeah, that right, right. And uh, and so we were just. She goes, you you could be a great bad guy on MacGyver. I said, okay, I'm game. <laughs> I'll fly to Atlanta again. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I yeah. don't ever think of you as a bad guy. That's why it'd be good. But that would be excellent, yeah, yeah. actually. In in the you, you don't see that in the candy jar. He, you know, he's a, mm. he's a nice enough guy in that, albeit a bit crotchety. But in the messenger, he that character gets a little dark. So I'm hoping we find a home for that, a streaming home for that. I look forward to yeah, that. I look forward yeah. to seeing that. Let me know that. what you think. I have um, a takeaway for Tom. Oh, cool. Always show up. And always give it a hundred. Yeah. Because even if it's not your thing, it's leading to your thing or building right. you to be stronger for your thing. Right. And, and and even if it's if you're in a job you you hate, stop thinking about it only as it affects you, and think about well, how can I make it better for these other people? Mm, or you know that. you know what I mean? Think of it as a team sport. I mean, I always think of like Dancing with the Stars, any show I've done. As, as a team sport. Yeah, if you're not learning, you're teaching. Right. So, but and it's also about getting down on the floor with the kids. It's about, right. it's not, it's, right. what I really get from you is not doing what they're asking, expecting from you, but bringing Tom Bergeron to or everything you you're doing. Because they don't know what they want, really, until right. they see it. Yeah. You know, they, they know basic parameters, and mm -hmm. by that I, I don't just mean TV shows, I mean virtually anything. Mm -hmm. You know, here, here's what we need to get done. Okay, I can give you that, mm -hmm. I can also give you this. Mm -hmm. So as long as, and whatever format I've hosted, I, I respect the format, whether it's a game show, right. a talk show, a dance show, whatever, a news show. All right, that, this, I've got to deliver this to you, but mm -hmm. now that I, I know I can do that, so now I can play. Mm -hmm. Right. Now I can give you more than you thought you wanted. Right. That's that's where. Have you ever uh, have you ever been taken to task for being you? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't got anybody else I can be. So <laughs> so when that has happened, did you then behave or no, did you? No. If I if I thought I was out of line, mm -hmm. I would try to be mad enough to own it. Uh huh. If I thought they were wrong, I nodded, smiled, and kept doing what I did. <laughs> did you ever get fired for being Tom? Yeah, yeah. Really? I, I got let go of the Fox show. Um, basically, it was one of those, you can't fire me, I quit. I, mm -hmm. I, I had it, and I was going to take all my vacation time, and I was told, if you do that, we're not going to have you back. I said, fine. Um, um, and... Yeah, I've, I've, you know, I've had shows in Hollywood Squares was canceled. Um, that was they, a long run. It was six years. Uh, videos, I left of my own accord just because I didn't feel like I had any any uh, fire in my gut for it anymore. I didn't mm. want to disrespect the show or the people by phoning it in. Or myself, for that matter, because that's not the way I do it. Um, when people come up to you in life... Is it mostly that? Is it mostly Dancing with the Stars? What What do you mostly... One of the sweetest moments the other night after the show, I get a knock on my door and, and Alice and Jenny and the, the little actress who played young Tanya Harding Aww. were there and she, the, I forget, Mackenzie I think is her name, um, she was so excited because she and her grandmother watch America's Funniest Videos mm -hmm. and watched me over the years and mm -hmm. so that was just mm -hmm. sweet. You know, 
the, the reactions from families and things um, to that show, mm -hmm. which now I, I meet people in college who grew up with it, mm -hmm. you know, when, in my version of it, and, and uh, older people who know the whole history with Bob, too. So yeah, it's great. It's, 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 uh, people are nice. People are nice and it sounds, you're very accessible yeah. um, and uh, I'm sure welcoming to your, I can't imagine you ever being rude to somebody who. Um, no, I, I try, I don't think, I, I can't really think of a time, I, some, I've had people who are, you try to be generous when they're clumsy with it. Mm. Where do I know you from? <laughs> uh, I don't know, I don't hang out with you. Go. I don't know. You know. I mean, you know. I mean, I'll try. I'll, I'll, are you on television? Yeah. Where do I know you from? I, well, how, what do you watch? You know. Um, but it's you know generally it's just warm or friendly or. You know. And 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 yeah, that's I, so. So Tom, uh, you can see Tom this season on Dancing with the Stars for three for, more weeks. For three more weeks. Before we shutter the ballroom again. <laughs> so, and you can see Tom on Netflix on Candy Jar, Candy Jar. which we're going to be streaming tonight. Wonderful. Um, and hopefully, tell me the Messenger. The Messenger. Um, hopefully, hopefully, you'll see see that live somewhere too, because I and think hopefully. that that has some interesting possibilities for how it could go. Let me know what you think after you. I I am pilot. so looking forward yeah, to yeah. it. Thank you so much for joining us, Tom. As pleasure. always, um, love having you. Free water and lozenges. I mean, come on. <laughs> um, we'll see you next week. We're going to have Jules Galley, who is a very, he's 24. He's mm -hmm. a French, he's, I was disappointed because he didn't have a French accent, so he kind of had to do it for me. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, he is like this incredible hot uh, singer, songwriter, performer that is like, whoa, like, mind-numbing crazy oh, wow. and so he's gonna be with us next week and it'll be interesting to hear somebody's road who's just starting been, kind of yeah, yeah who's just starting but yeah. who's exploding right, really right. quickly anyway so we'll see you next week thanks so much you Tom. Have to see you. thanks